I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, today is all about what we in R&D refer to as bonus sheets. Um, I'm not sure we use that term externally, so let me explain what a bonus sheet is, uh, and then I will go into detail. So a bonus sheet is usually a slot in a booster that has a, that comes from a whole separate sheet, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, usually they're reprints, they're not always, I'll walk through it, but the idea is, um, well, let me get into detail of how a booster works, and I'll, I'll sort of explain the technicality of what a, a bonus sheet is. Um, okay, so when we make a booster, here's how it works. Uh, we print magic on large sheets, uh, 11 by 11, sometimes 10 by 11, 10 by 10, there's different sizes. Um, and the idea is we print them the giant sheets, then we chop them up into their normal size cards. And then they have what they call hoppers. So what a hopper is, imagine taking a whole bunch of cards and stacking them inside this sort of metal chute that lets them out one at a time. Um, now, it's also possible the chute could let out more than one at a time. Um, so for example, let's say you're building a booster pack. A normal magic booster pack um, would have one common hopper, one uncommon hopper, and one rare hopper. Uh, and then probably a land hopper and a uh, uh, add card slash token sheet hopper. So the idea is, okay, um, okay, how many commons do I need? You know, uh, I don't know, 10 commons. How many uncommons do I need? Three uncommons. How many rares slash mythics do I need? One. And note the, the way that rares and mythic rares are figured out is they're cut on the sheet such that the rarity is correct that the one in eight or whatever the, the ratio is, is there. It's just built into the sheet. Um, sometimes, for example, uh, in the past, we've had sets small enough that the common and uncommons were on a singular sheet, and they were printed to hit the right rarity. Um, attractions and infinity, for example, the commons and uncommons are a single sheet of the attractions. Um, it's a common thing for us to do. But anyway, the way it works is we're going to make a sheet, we're going to chop it up, we're going to put it in a hopper, and then we can tell the machine how many cards from the hopper to release. And that's how you build a booster pack, right? Um, but sometimes we want to have an extra sheet or a bonus sheet, if you will. Um, and that bonus sheet, from, a, from an R&D standpoint, it can be anything. Uh, technically, what it means is there is something extra getting added to the booster. Usually, it's a slot. Um, there, one of the things you can do is we can make complex drops, meaning we could say, hey, every other pack drop four from this and none from this, and then every other pack drop you know, three from this and one from that. Like you, can, um, you can program things such that not every pack in a row has the exact same drop sequence. Um, anyway, um, the reason I bring this up is we have the ability to, if we want to, add in an extra sheet to a set. Um, so the place where this started was Time Spiral. Uh, now, I want to note, I did an entire uh, podcast on the three time-shifted sheets. Um, which, as you'll find out today, uh, bonus sheets and time future sheets are not 100% overlap, but I, I will get to that in a second. So today, I'm more talking about the technicalness of how the idea came from, how we execute on it, how we use it. Um, if you want to get in the nitty-gritty of how exactly we built those sheets, I have a whole podcast on that. So if you want to go, like, how exactly we built the, um, 
the time spiral sheet, like how we did it. There's a story there. I did a podcast on it. You can go listen to that. Today's a little bit more about how we use bonus sheets. So the, the, the focus is a little bit different. Okay, so we're working on time spiral, and the time spiral block had a past, present, future theme. Um, and so the first set was about the past. And so I came up with this idea that I thought was pretty cool that what if every once in a while a card from the past showed up in your booster pack? Now, just remember, uh, Time Spiral, about, I don't know, two and a half years, three years before Time Spiral, 8th edition came out, and it changed the frames of the cards. Um, so for those who don't know the history of the frames, Magic had basically a particular frame for a good the early chunk of his life. Uh, when 8th edition came out, it changed to what we now refer to as the 8th edition frame. And then when Magic 2010 came out, it changed to the Magic 2010 frame. The Magic 2010 frame is not, I mean, it is different from the uh, 8th edition frame, but in more subtle ways. Probably the biggest difference is uh, the black bar at the bottom that has the information now for the printers. Um, But most of the change from 8th edition to Magic 2010 was some functional, we need it for the printer sort of stuff. The change from original Magic to... um, 8th edition was a much, much bigger change. It changed the general look of it, how the cards were laid out. Artifacts changed from brown to silver. Um, It's a much uh, starker change. Um, So the idea was, well, what if in your pack, cards in the old frame, old cards, cards that naturally, when printed, were in the old frame, so like things that were at least over two, two and a half years old, um, showed up in the booster. And I think when I first pitched it, I was... I was concerned that it sounded a little out there. So I remember I pitched it as every once in a while what happened. Um, and everybody got so on board with it so quickly that it very soon became, how about just every pack has one? Um, and one of the things we've learned, by the way, is there's a really strong power to once per pack. Uh, and the reason for that is if I tell you that a pack might do something, you're like, oh, okay, and maybe you're excited that the possibility exists. But when I tell you it does do something, that's very powerful. Um, we don't make it so every magic set has a, a guaranteed thing in it, um, but we do it a lot, and we've been doing it more, and we'll continue to do it more, just because it's a very compelling sales message. Oh, well, this thing you want, it's there. Every pack has one. Um, it's funny, I, I think that goes back to Unglued, of all things. Um, Unglued decided that it was going to do the full art land, and we just decided to put one per pack. We thought people would like them, and we wanted people to get plenty of them. Um, and so the idea was, and one of the exciting things about Unglued was, you knew you got a full art land. That was an absolute guarantee. Um, and that, I think, really helped communicate to us that, like, there's a lot of power in having a guarantee. But anyway... Um, usually when I'm talking about bonus sheets, usually, and I'm, I'll get to some examples here, um, the number one way we use bonus sheets is that they show up once per pack and they, def- they define the set that they're in. For example, in Time Spiral, what we did is we had 121 um, time-shifted cards that were cards from the past. Uh, Aaron Forsyth was in charge of this sheet. And the idea was it was a whole variety of cards. I think in the end... We decided that they were going to be legal and standard, so that limited... Some of the early versions of a list were a little crazier uh, because originally we were like, oh, these aren't getting added to standard. Interestingly, we've come around now. Our bonus sheets now just add to whatever format they're already legal in. They don't add to standard, but um, at the time, it was the very first time we'd ever done it. 
So we decided to make we decided that it might be confusing to people. Since then, I, I don't know. We've we've done a lot more stuff. That's uh, our our audience is able to handle that. So we we changed our mind on that. But anyway, Time Spiral had 121 cards from the past. Now the interesting thing is the philosophy we had in that very first uh, bonus sheet was this idea that who knows what could happen, and we purposely had very high variance. You could get some really, really exciting cards, or you could get a Squire. So Squire was one and a white for a one-two. That's it. There was even on the sheet, there was Oratog was on the sheet, which was one-two, uh, sorry, was a one and a W for a one-two white creature, like Squire, except you could just sacrifice an enchantment to give it plus two, plus two. So it was like Squire, but just better than Squire mostly. I mean, different creature types, but... Um, and so the, uh, the idea of the sheet back then was we wanted to do a sampling and some of the shock value of what showed up was part of it. Um, I think we knew that you were going to play with it in limited and we definitely thought about that. And there were definitely, I think there were definitely some cards on the sheet that were like, oh, this will play well in limited. Um, but really that first time shifted sheet was more about showing off the history of magic. It was more of a, uh, a showy centerpiece of the set of, um, I mean, we did think about limited. We did think about what people might want to play in constructed. I mean, we did, even from the very first bonus sheet, we were thinking like, oh, this will be exciting to people. Um, but I think we were a little, we used it more for novelty on some level than we should have. I mean, being a, be aware, when we introduced it, it wasn't something, like, we weren't saying, oh, this is the thing we're going to do from now on, on some occasion. It was, here's a thing specifically for this set. And the interesting thing is when we first came up with the time shifter sheet, the original idea was it was only going to be in time spiral. The idea was cards from the past, this is the set about the past, okay, well, that's going to be in that set. Um, so anyway, we made it, uh, oh, we also put a different expansion symbol, not expansion symbol, a different rarity color on, they were purple. Um, I think we've come around to, like, trying to figure out what rarity they are, where they came from, to give people some sense of how rare they are from, you know, like, oh, this was a rare, so we marked it a rare. Um, we don't, I don't think we do the unified, uh, rarity symbol anymore. Anyway, a rarity color. Um... But anyway, the set came out. It was a brand new thing. It was pretty exciting to people. It went over very well. So much so, or sorry, I had so much hope for it. I, I guess this, this, this is before it came out. But I, I was very optimistic about it. Um, so Time Spiral was my second year, full year of being in charge, uh, being head designer. Um, I had become head designer like in the middle of Champions of Kamigawa. But it was like, it was already in progression. I mean, I, I helped finish it. But I, the, the vision of that set was not mine. Um, Ravnica, which was the next set, was the first set that I kind of drove the vision of, and Time Spiral was the second. Um, and I was getting really, really into, like, block planning and stuff like that, so that's why the past, present, future. Anyway, um, when we started working on Planar Chaos, it was the present set, which is a complicated idea. So I came up with the idea, uh, it's the alternate reality present. That it's, um, and because I saw the time shifter sheet in, um, the bonus sheet in Time Spiral, I was like, Wow, I want to have that. So the idea I came up with for uh, Planner Chaos was um, because it was alternate reality, we took a bunch of cards that were you know, magic cards from the past, and we did them again with new flavor and shifted to a different color. 
Damnation is probably the most famous of them. So we took Wrath of God, a pretty famous card from Alpha, and we made a black version because, like, black can do that. So we made a black version we called Damnation. Um, and the art was made to be a riff off Wrath of God. Like, you know, we, we very much, um, you know, we, we sort of, uh, the idea of the time shifted sheet was it was us having fun with the idea of what if in this alternate reality, Things you knew were slightly different, and that slightly different were, A, they were a different color, and B, the creative matched the color, so they had a different creative. Sarah wasn't an angel. She was a sphinx, and she was in blue. Um, you know, so... And that, um, like Time Spiral, that was done as a bonus sheet, meaning that when you open up Planar Chaos packs, you could open up some number of cards. I think the thing we did in Planar Chaos, I'm trying to remember this exactly, is... I think we allowed, I don't know whether it was one per pack or whether there was high, my memory was it was higher than one per pack, that you got more than one per pack, but I think it was a locked number, like three per pack or something. I think it was a locked number. Anyway, then we get to Future Sight. So Future Sight, interestingly, so today's topic is bonus sheets. Future Sight was not a bonus sheet. So let me explain. So rather, I mean, so we did the same thing we did in the first two sets, means we had time-shifted cards, meaning that uh, each of the cards had a different frame. The time flow cards had an uh, uh, original, you know, pre-8th edition frame. Uh, the cards in uh, Planar Chaos, we came up with this alternate reality frame, which was kind of a mix between original Magic and 8th edition frames. They were sort of halfway in between. Uh, and then for the future site, we made a futuristic chain where we changed how things were done and where, where the mana cost was, and we, we made it different. Um, and so that was a time-shifted card, but it wasn't technically a bonus sheet card because the way we did the time-shifted cards in Future Sight is I think we put them on the same sheets. So the rare sheet had normal cards and time-shifted cards. Um, and what that meant was when you opened a pack, two things. One is when you opened up a Time Spiral or Planar Chaos pack... Um, you were guaranteed to get whatever the bonus sheet, how many slots the bonus sheet had. It was one in Time Spiral. I'm not sure if it was one or more than one in Planar Chaos. But you always got one. And if, if that sheet had, you got a rare, because there were rares on that sheet, you'd get two rares. You'd get your normal rare and your bonus sheet rare. Um, not all bonus sheet cards were rare, so you didn't always get two rares. Um, but in Future Sight, we put the, the Time Shifter cards on the same sheet. So the rare sheet had the time shifted cards on it. The uncommon sheet had the, the time shifted cards on it. So what that meant was when you opened up a pack, you had a variety. How many time shifted cards? I think you could theoretically get zero, although I believe it was very, very hard to get zero. I think you had to get, you tended to get one or two, um, barring weirdness. Um, but you could get as high as, I don't know, I remember how many, 10? I mean, you, you, could get, you could get a whole bunch. Um, and what that meant was you never got, your rare was your rare slot. It might be normal, it might be time-shifted, but you couldn't get a normal rare and a time-shifted rare. Um, so technically speaking, Future Sight did not have a bonus sheet in how I'm defining bonus sheets today, um, meaning that there, it lives separately on its own sheet and has its own slot. That, that is not what happened in Future Sight. Okay, so then Time Spiral Block ended. Uh, in general, the time shifted cards went over well. People liked them. They were kind of cool. Um, but what happened was, uh, I think we treated bonus sheets like, okay, here's a cool thing. And <coughs> it kind of just, you know, we went on and did other things. 
But then came uh, Battle for Zendikar. Um, we were trying to come up with some cool tweak for Battle for Zendikar. For some reason, I don't know, people, they, they, people were worried internally that people would be excited about Zendikar. So we decided to do a promotion. And, and, and maybe I'm being harsh on Battle for Zendikar. Um, I think in general they just came up with a neat idea, which is what if we took the bonus sheet, uh, but instead of dropping one per pack, we dropped one per, I don't know what it was, per case, per box. Might have been one per box, or roughly one per box, maybe 1.5 boxes or something. I don't, I don't know the drop rate. Um, but the idea was let's take really famous old reprints that people would be very excited to get. Uh, so the first one was in Zendikar, uh, Battle for Zendikar, and they were called Zendikar. Zendikar Expeditions. Uh, the whole thing was called the Masterpiece Series, but the ones in Zendikar were called Zendikar Expeditions. They were lands. And there's a lot of exciting lands. You know, uh, lands are... A lot of deck needs dual lands and stuff. So there are a lot of cool lands. We put them in a special Zendikar frame. I think we try to flavor them as if they were on Zendikar. And the idea was, hey, whenever you open up Battle for Zendikar, you could get a fetch land. You could get, you know, you could get these invocations that were uh, expeditions that were really exciting, uh, but they were infrequent. Um, and the idea was, at, you know, at your pre-release, hey, a few people would open them, but not a lot. And you yourself might never open one. I guess it was less than a box. If you bought a box, I'm not sure you necessarily saw one. Anyway, it happened. It was infrequent. Um, if you bought enough cards, usually eventually you found one, but not, not everybody who opened cards got one. And some people got more than one if they got super lucky. Um, okay, then a year later in Kaladesh, we did Kaladesh Inventions. Those were artifacts. So same idea. They were set in Mirrodin, uh, not Mirrodin, they were set on Kaladesh, uh, and they had, um, like, filigree in the frame, a special frame, um, and they looked really cool. Um, and anyway, uh, we did the same thing. They released at a very low rarity. Uh, and then in Amonkhet, we did Invocations. And those, uh, they were in both Amonkhet and Our Devastation. In Amonkhet, they were... Um... Oh, and this is the same for... The Zendikar Expeditions were in both Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch. And the Kaladesh Inventions were in Kaladesh and Ether Revolt. They were in the whole block. Although at the time, these were two-set blocks. Um, so Amonkhet and Our Devastation had them. There were different cards between them. We did change cards, I think, between the two sets. Um, but kept to the theme. The... Uh... Amonkhet got a little trickier. Uh, they were sort of like the gods and influence of the gods, and then they were... So they were more spells, and then they got meaner for Hour of Devastation. They were more destructive spells. Um, but that theme was a lot fuzzier. And we got a lot of feedback from the audience that, like, it just... A, it was hard for us to, to make themes where we had enough cards, uh, and such that the theme matched the world... Like, we had planned to do Ixalan Explorations, which was going to be all cards that searched or fetched the library, cards that somehow interacted with the library in some way. Either they looked at the top of it or that you, you, you tutored a card from it, um, but in some way interacted with the library. Uh, and what we realized was our, our themes were getting... I mean, we were only a couple in, and our themes were getting sketchy, and it didn't necessarily match the theme of the set so cleanly. And, um, and the audience... The feedback we were getting from the audience was... When we first did them in Zendikar, you know, the Zendikar Expeditions, people were very, very excited. But soon, A, our themes weren't quite as exciting as lands, which are super exciting. And um, 
I know, like, with the Almond Cat invocations, we, we did something weird. Like, we, um, the, the names were in sort of this hieroglyphics thing that if you look really closely, were letters, but at first glance didn't seem like the letters, and those were not, I don't know, people complained about those. And anyway, we, I think we were trying some stuff, and the audience's response was sort of, it didn't quite have the, the impact we wanted. Um, and so we retired the Masterpiece series. Um, so anyway, our story continues uh, several years later. Um, so we made a set called Strixhaven. So Strixhaven was a uh, top-down set playing on the magical school trope. Um, and it had a theme, it had an enemy theme, and it had a theme of caring about artifacts, I'm sorry, caring about instants and sorceries. Um, we, we, we used uh, instant sorceries as like a small themes for like red and blue and stuff like that, but we really hadn't done it as a major theme for a set. Uh, Strixhaven seemed like the right place. It was a school you were learning. Uh, so we decided that, you know, that we could represent teachings and stuff. And so we made about instants and sorceries. So Yanni Skolnick was the set design lead, um, the lead set designer. And um, he came with the idea of what if every booster pack had in instant or sorcery from the past. Um, so he came up with the idea of what we call the mystical archive. And so the idea was that they would be um, instant and sorceries that we think people play a lot. Not necessarily super rare things. There were common things as well. Um, but things that, you know, like, I think Counterspell was one of them. They were, they were spells that saw play in different formats that we thought players would be excited by. And then uh, it was done in a really cool sort of new art style. Um, we had started doing Booster Fun at, in Throne of Eldraine, and so the idea was, what if we do this, like, so it's a bonus sheet, it, it's an instant sorceries, but it has a really sp- special look to it. So the idea is, you know, hey, I play some of these spells in my decks, I might love to have these. Um, and we did two versions, by the way. We did the normal version, which had its own sort of look to it, and then we did a Japanese, uh, with Japanese artists, a Japanese-inspired version. Um, and so the idea was, is like, oh, and the other thing was, it was woven into how the set was made. It wasn't just an afterthought. I mean, I know in Time Spiral we thought about it. It wasn't like we ignored the fact that they had something to do with Limited. Um, but I think it was less a factor where, um, I know Yanni spent a lot of time, I mean, he wanted to pick things that were exciting, but he also wanted to pick things that made sense in play. Now, Instants and Sorcerers were the theme of the set, so... You know, there's a lot of synergy with, you know, like, if you were ever going to play Instant Sorceries, this is this was a set where you'd probably play a higher amount than any other set, um, just because it mattered more, and the set was set up to let you do that more. Um, so anyway, uh, so Yanni really wove it in and made it part of the play experience. So, you know, they meant something for Constructed, you were excited to open them, it increased the, the experience of opening them, but it also played into... The limited, uh, um, the limited play. Also, as I, I said a little bit earlier in this podcast, um, the decision was made uh, on this bonus sheet, not, and, and this was true of the masterpieces as well, that being there didn't mean it, it got entered into standard. All the time shift sheets were standard legal cards. And I should note, by the way, that in Planar Chaos and in Future Sight, um, all the time shift cards were brand new cards. Um, here, so the, the time shifter sheet in Time Spiral and everything else I'm talking about, I, I think was mostly reprints. Every once in a blue moon, we do a tease from a future set 
where like the thing hadn't come out yet, I guess. We've done one or two of those. But but they were, for all intents and purposes, basically um, reprints. Um, okay, and then flash forward, I don't know, a, a year and a half, two years, um, Yanni is working on another set, The Brothers War. And Yanni says, again, I have a set that has a theme that seems like it'd make an awesome, um, an awesome uh, bonus sheet. And that theme was Artifacts. Um, so we were, the Brothers War is a war between Urza and Mishra, who were fighting with mighty artifacts dug up from the past. And so the idea of digging up old artifacts was like, like thematically built into it. The set had unearthed and, and prototype, and it was all about artifacts and all, like thematically, the story is about digging up old artifacts. That's why unearthed them in the set. So it was kind of neat to say, what if we brought back artifacts? And then the shtick to this one was we put them in the old frame. Remember, the old artifact frame was brown, not uh, silver. And so it just looks very different. And so we took a lot of artifacts that are popular artifacts that people like, um, and we put them in the old frame uh, so that people could have access to them. Um, And in addition to that, we did uh, uh, another version of them. We call the schematic versions. And the schematics look like if the wizard was drawing plans to make that artifact. And so it has this sort of like sketchbook quality to it. Um, there also are, I believe, numbered ones. Uh, I think it's 500. I'm, I'm not, on top of my head, I'm not 100% sure. But the idea is, uh, in collector boosters, there is, uh, there's a limited number of them with a rainbow foil, I believe. Uh, and you can only get them in the collector boosters. Um, so the idea is, I think they're numbered, and that there's only, I think there's only 500 of them. Um, but anyway, uh, so once again, Yanni worked it in. It's part of limited. These cards, like, that you, you know, they're one in every pack. They have a special frame, so you can identify them. Um, oh, that's another interesting thing about the bonus sheet that we've started to do, and you'll notice the, the through line here, is we tend to put different um, frames on them, meaning we want you to know they're there. Oh, in Time Spiral, they're the old card frame. In Planar Chaos, they're this alternate. Future Sight, which isn't technically a bonus sheet, but still, different card frame. Um, in all of the Masterpiece series, they had a new, unique uh, frame. Mystical Archive, new frame. Brothers War, retro frame. You know, we really are making it such that when you open it up in the pack, it's drawing attention to itself. That the idea of having a bonus card isn't being subtle, it's being pretty blunt and in your face. Um, because we want you to be excited by, hey, there's this separate thing that we sort of are giving you at, at some level, depending on which version we did. Okay, so I'm almost to work. So let me talk a little bit about the future of bonus sheets. Um, I know when we made them in Time Spiral, I was really, really excited for them. I I thought they were a very innovative thing. Um, And I'll be honest, when we made Masterpieces, I was kind of sad because they just didn't show up that much. You know, like, um, as I said earlier, the, the, the sort of predictability of seeing things in one per pack was one of the things I thought was lovable about, about the time-shifted stuff. Um, so, I'm ex- when Mystic Archive came back, I was very excited uh, when I hear about Brothers War. I will tell you that there are more, um, there are more bonus sheets in the future. Um, I think one of the things we've realized is um, one of the challenges living in an eternal world, I did a whole podcast on that, is there's, there are more desires for reprints than there have been in the past just because people are playing decks that actually play with those cards. And so we are trying to figure out how best to get reprints in people's hands. And bonus sheets are a really fun way to do it. 
um, because they they are very organic to what the set is. They add an extra, you know, they, they really add something extra to the set in a way that's exciting that makes people eager to have the set. So Aaron Forsyth laid down some rules about our bonus sheets. Um, so one is we need to be careful with pacing, meaning um, while bonus sheets are a tool in our toolbox, in, in our quiver, or in our toolbox, um, I guess a tool in our toolbox. It's an arrow in our quiver. Um, it's something we should use when it makes sense. It's not something we're going to use all the time. It's something we're going to use uh, when it when it makes sense. And um, the uh, Aaron's big thing is he wants to make sure that when we do a bonus sheet, that it is um, organic to the set it is in. Oh, Mystical Archives makes perfect sense in um, Strixhaven. You know, the idea that this is the deposit of all the knowledge of the spells in the multiverse was a really cool thing that built up the world. And it, it, like, it really added to what the set was and reinforced the theme. Likewise, the Brothers' War was about the brothers digging up ancient artifacts and fighting with them. Oh, wow, that, like, you couldn't get more on, on theme for a bonus sheet with artifacts from the past, right? That, that's right there. So a big question about, um, or a big thing about bonus sheets is, Aaron Roy said, look, if we're going to do bonus sheets, it needs to be because the bonus sheet is adding value and it is doing something that is enhancing what's in. Um, the idea of just throwing random cards in random set, that, that's, not, that's not what we want. We want the bonus sheets to be something that is a tool that enhances what we're doing. Um, but I, I am excited, and there's a lot of fun things that you can do with bonus sheets. Um, and like I said, the, the idea of being able to play around with frame and booster font and art and all that is something that, that's definitely exciting. Um, oh, I didn't really mention that. So the thing that what happened in Time Spiral was we just reprinted the cards as they once had been. I think we retemplated them, but they were in the old frame. But they were all, all the old art. Now, in Planar Chaos, and Teacher Say if you want to count it, um, they were brand new cards, they had brand new art. So those, it's, in some ways... Um, although I, I do want to point out that Planner Chaos points out that it is possible to do a bonus sheet with new cards. Bonus sheets aren't inherently a tool that has to be used for reprints. It's a really good tool for reprints. I, I, I will say when we use them, uh, I think reprints are the most common way we use them. But the, the point I want, to, I want to point out, Planner Chaos makes this point. You, there are ways to do bonus sheets with new cards. That is something that you can do. Um... Now, when we got to the Masterpieces, we did brand new art because they were showing up so infrequently. Um, but that really sort of set the bar to say, hey, can we do new art? Mystical Archive does new art. Um, in the Brothers War, we sort of split the difference. We redid the old art because a lot of people wanted that existing art that they knew in retro frames. And then we did a secondary thing where we did a new art with a schematic. So we sort of split the difference where it was both old art and new art. And so... Um, like, bonus sheets, I think it depends on how the bonus sheet's being used, why it's being used. I do think that we like having alternate frames when they make sense. I do think we like having new art when it makes sense. Uh, and because we're trying to make bonus sheets something, like, we want to make bonus sheets exciting, I, I do think you'll see more of them with new frames and with new art. I, I, I do think as we move forward, that's something, I mean... I'm not saying we'll never have old art, and sometimes with like the retro frame, you want the old art. So um, I'm not. There will be a mix. Um, but anyway, I one of the things that's really interesting about Magic, um, 
in sort of design technology is you design something for the purpose of what it's in. The reason I made the original bonus sheet in Timesprow that I came up with the idea in the first place was not, oh, we should make a bonus sheet. It was, wouldn't it be neat if the pack, if past cards mysteriously showed up in packs? That was my inspiration. I didn't, when I came up with it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like I said, like, like once we figured out how to do it, we had to do it with the bonus sheet. But the idea of it was it? I didn't come up with bonus sheets, really. I came up with this neat idea, and then the way to execute it turned out to be bonus sheets. And then once we had that tool in our toolbox, get my metaphor right, um, then that's something we were able to look at in other places. Uh, and I can say, like I said, it, it is a valuable tool. Um, I, I, I think like double face cards, it's definitely one of those things that we made. It was kind of splashy at first, and we, we slowly dipped our toe into it. And the more we've dipped our toe, the more we find there's a lot of interesting executions. And so um, I'm excited for the future of bonus sheets. Um, there, there is a cool stuff coming your way. So I, I can't tell you when or where or how. I, I can't tell you there are more bonus sheets coming. Uh, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's talk all about bonus sheets and all the cool things that bonus sheets can do and how we did them and sort of why they came about. But I'm now at Wizards. So we all know what that means. Means this is my end of drive. This is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye bye.